Okay, now we want to go ahead and let you all hear for the first time ever uh-huh. our intro theme to Audio Oddcast. Exclusive. Exclusive. And that was our intro theme. Y'all have heard it before us. Uh, right, yes, this it is like, <laughs> as of right now, it does not exist, so I hope it was cool. Yeah, I, I know, I, I, I'm i thinking, you know, we got, we got good taste, yeah, exactly. whatever yeah, we just did. That was pretty cool, yeah. I'm actually very happy with it, I could listen to that again, in fact, let's fucking do it. Yeah, let, play it one more time. <laughs> okay. So, uh, we're your host, uh, I'm Maya. And I am Jason. And it says Audio Oddcast. We're going to talk about movies, music, games, life, the universe, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, all through the perspective of art is the idea. Mm-hmm. Yes. If it's yeah. odd, it's here. Right. If it's odd, it's coming from us. And you know it's authentic. It's odd authentic. Exactly. Yes, yes. Exactly. Only we can say stuff like that. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this is uh, from Some Odd Strangers. Uh, so you've probably seen our YouTube stuff. We've got friends playing badly. Um, there's a, a, another podcast uh, we're also doing called uh, uh, Some Odd Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah. uh, there's a bunch of uh, little videos and short films and on our Some Odd Strangers YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we've also uh, been known as Ladder Velocity, did, did a couple movies, documentaries, concerts, stuff like that. So, But we've, we've tried this before, so we're venturing back into it again. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, podcast, but yeah, right, yeah. We were always um, s- starting and stopping because you know life happens, but the intent was always there, and it still is. And this, you know, going forward, you're going to get to know us a lot better if you didn't get to know us from uh, from before. Prior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's uh, uh yeah, the voice you're hearing of Jason is the writer of the infamous Midnight Access Radio. Which you may or may or not have listened to, because uh, it's it's been random places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, all over the podcasting uh, board, and uh, when all before uh, Spotify. Yeah, it predates Spotify. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, if you were yeah. looking for, uh, I guess, uh, entertainment podcasts, uh, you probably found us because we were the first <laughs> before Nightvale. Right, there was Midnight Access Radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard they were fans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. That's, you know, inspiration. That's cool. Yeah. It's cool to think about that. Exactly. I've also heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. From the same source. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So, um, so we saw The Flash last night. Um, it was, uh, Jason's birthday was yesterday. And so we went and we saw The Flash. And, uh, overall, uh, I liked it. It is my personal favorite DCEU movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, to date for me yeah right yeah i completely forgot about some of the dceu movies that's what was so crazy like when i was really thinking about all of my favorites i was like man you know what that shazam was all right but i forgot there was a part two i forgot aquaman existed i forgot uh batman v superman existed i really forgot about batman v superman i I, wow then Martha, Martha. Yeah, yeah. No, and then, uh, uh, and and Justice League was. Uh, yeah, I, I hardly remembered Justice League, but I recently saw the Snyder Cut, and uh, I'm happy to say that I, I I've heard correctly that that the Snyder Cut version of Justice League was amazing. It was actually really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. They should have released that, even though it was four hours long. I know, I know. Yeah, I mean, most movies are that long anyway, because if. If they got a bunch of, if it's like a, uh, a bunch of guys coming together to do one thing after we've seen individual films of theirs, or they're teasing that they're going to be individual films like DC, you know, that they tried to go the opposite way where they're like, you know what, we're going to introduce you to Justice League and then we're going to give you the individual movies, but they, they couldn't get their schedule, um, uh, situated their calendar of these releases which is part of the 
problem. We'll probably get into it yeah. in, uh, in a later tangent if if we remember it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah, they just, they were not very organized. It was very obvious. And, um, yeah, Justice League. Oh, God. Yeah. It just felt No, first. yeah, so that, yeah, all of that leads us to the biggest thing we want to talk about here is the whole concept of superhero fatigue mm-hmm. uh, that everyone's kind of talking about. Because yeah. uh, there was a, uh, I know there was a lot of, um, beyond shade right now on the flash that it wasn't doing so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know, Jason and I both, we, we have kind of our problems with it, but overall it, it was not as bad as, uh, I, everyone was kind of saying it was, at least mm-hmm. I, yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah. So, yeah. No, not at all. What's CGI was terrible. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> There's no argument there. <laughs> there that CGI was horse manure <laughs> i mean but it was tolerable like especially if we knew it going yeah. into it if we were thinking about it like it was something we knew to expect and i always i always put the the d in dcu to me just just dark because all of their films just are very dark like if you're watching it at night you need some kind of light on just to reflect around your eyeballs so when you come back to normalcy if you cut the lights on after watching a three-hour dc movie you're not having to get adjust your eyes to the light like oh god i had to strain very bad but the one thing about this one was a lot there was certain parts of the cinematography was dark but it was lathered in colors they tried at least um yeah like uh um ben affleck's batman uh, yeah. outfit i actually mm-hmm. really enjoyed that it was a it was a, a colorful well it wasn't like totally colorful but it was a nice shade of blue yeah it was a li- it was not a lighter blue but kind of it wasn't as dark it wasn't black it wasn't like a mm-hmm. dark blue but it was blue it reminded me a lot of uh, adam west uh his cape outfit yeah yeah yeah. Uh, it had, it had a kind of i don't know what that color is like a teal i guess i don't know i know it wasn't like dark blue oh, yeah, but it also wasn't light blue it was just blue Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but I liked I liked I liked Affleck's Batman in um, uh, this one um, a lot more. Even uh, it, it well, there was the Justice League version of it which I enjoyed, mm-hmm. but um, uh, the, this one I really liked Affleck's Batman in this one. Right. Weirdly enough, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't um, he wasn't so bad. Like, yeah, the yeah. the 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 style of the bat suit. But also as a Batman, because I went into even the early announcements of him being Batman all those years ago. I went into it with the whole like, man, nah. And it wasn't even just the part of all the uh, Ben Affleck hate that you yeah. know, came out of nowhere for like, yeah. whatever warranted reasons. Because I don't even remember. We get to a point it's almost like Nickelback. We forget why we even joined in on the hate. <laughs> like, you know. I feel like it was uh, uh, back around the, the Kevin Smith timeline, around the, you know, Batman, uh, Affleck was the bomb and, fa- and Phantoms mm-hmm. uh, type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's around, like, Jersey Girl and all that. Everyone's starting to kind of hate on Affleck uh-huh. and all that. But, yeah, no, you're fine. It's funny. You're right. I kind of forget right now. Yeah. I, I know it had something to do with that. It was around the Kevin Smith era. He was doing something. Some mm-hmm. some of the movies. I think it was a series. Pearl Harbor. I think probably was yeah. a big reason. Of yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That is true, man. Man, yes. That little bit of time, there was something about it that came out where yeah. people just joined, and it, it it wasn't even like one movie that did it for them. It was like once all once there was like a series of flops. Yeah. It was almost like like Hollywood kind of created it in a way where they're like, oh, these movies are not major like blockbuster hits and. This is the lead guy. And whenever there's a lead of any film, like it, it, like a series of films where they just flop over and over again, they start to say that it's whoever was the lead star's fault. Like people didn't want to go to the theaters because Ben Affleck or whatever. Not even taking into consideration either the story, if it's interesting to people, yeah. or other people that are in just, it. Because like a lot of people were like, I don't like Tom Cruise, so I'm not going to go see a Tom Cruise movie. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Which uh, we can easily connect to fatigue i think there's a i think there's a key connection with superhero fatigue and kind of celebrity fatigue because mm-hmm. right now yeah everyone's saying super superhero fatigue but back in the day it would be celebrity fatigue mm-hmm. you get sick of tom cruise after a while right uh, every now and again it would kind of cycle to where people were just kind of done with uh um 
Uh, yeah, like Ben Affleck uh, mm-hmm. and all that. Or uh, uh, I don't know who else. Who, who, what other major celebrities got hit hard? Oh man, Tom Cruise, Ben Affleck. Tom Cruise is like it kind of circled back. It would be like, oh, we're all about Tom Cruise now, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. now nah, we're not really big Tom Cruise, and then now we're Tom Cruise again. Yeah, and it would just go back and forth. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. Which which is probably why he's stuck with like. Franchises or typecasting? If it wasn't like Mission Impossible and you were seeing him for like the crazy stunts he did and everything in between, then you were seeing him for Mission Impossible type, like uh, like Jack Reacher or um, can't think Minority Report or like like oh, where he's sure. yeah 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 Minority Report is a total almost Mission Impossible movie right yeah exactly yeah and it's crazy because like it was almost like simultaneously people were hating on him for Vanilla Sky. It was like Minority Report was already or anything else that he was doing that yeah. was kind of that type. But Vanilla Sky, oh, that was because of his, that was his fault. Um, when in reality, you, you could say, it, you can't really say it's his fault. You could say it's like a casting director's fault of like if, and even a director's fault, like an aesthetic fault of like trying to do a surreal type of movie and it doesn't, um, doesn't hit. If that's the way the script was written and you get a director that can't really convey that, then there's a problem. And then you get an actor that's not used to being in like surreal type of movies or movies that are kind of trying to, like a dreamy type of film. Yeah. Yeah, Tom Cruise wouldn't be the person I would think. But it's cool to think that he read the script and said, I want to do this. That he didn't just put himself in a box. And yeah. want to do something different. Yeah. You know? Like uh, uh, seeing him in a David Lynch movie would be interesting. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I would actually love to yeah. see David Lynch direct a Mission Impossible style movie yeah. starring Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. And just oh see my what God. that looks like. Uh huh. <laughs> just want to know what that looks like. That's it. Just naked to be yeah. a short film. I just uh, want to know what it looks like. But. Yeah. That man. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because oh, you think of David Lynch when he tried to do. Tried Dune. And it's like, eh, you can. If you're somebody that can think outside the box of what he was trying to do, then yeah, you could you can kind of see that where he would do a like a spy thriller, type or d- espionage yeah. type of yeah. Because okay, see, okay, so on fatigue, see, David Lynch is another one who people I, I don't think there's a phrase for it, but there is a type of like Lynch esque fatigue where everyone's just kind of like done with these crazy surreal David Lynch style like i think after inland empire yeah. it was really big where everyone was just like kind of sick of like i don't understand what this movie's about and i'm getting kind of tired of it mm-hmm. type deal right you know what i mean yeah where where, where like where do you think that comes from the this this the concept of fatigue in cinema um i i think it comes from either like the it can be like two cases where there's too much of a good thing and maybe me them being Hollywood thinking that that's what we want and it just coming from all these different places all these different sources especially now it's been ramped up because of all the streaming services and them having their own identity and doing different things like Netflix pretty soon like for example pretty soon is going to be uh true crime fatigue because documentary after documentary they got rid of so many documentaries when they first started it's like they started they started their company on the backs of a lot of existing movies documentaries series and then when they started to do their own originals like that kevin spacey uh thingamajig Glad I already forgot it because my brain is wiping away oh, Kevin's House of Cards. Yes, House yeah. of Cards. Now I remember it. Yeah. Damn it. That so, <laughs> <laughs> final season was good, actually. Uh, okay. It all hinged on Robin Wright, uh-huh. and she pulled it off. She did amazing. I'm probably like one of three people who have seen House of Cards to the end. Yeah. Just because I really wanted to see Robin Wright finish off that mm-hmm. show, and it it she it ended amazingly. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. See, that's one of those things I could think of if um, if they had that in mind to like kill off Kevin Spacey's character and then she kind of usurps him and that was a good idea. But I'm pretty sure they didn't have that in mind. But that's the perfect way to like segue a story with someone already established. Well, well, in the case of House of Cards, I don't actually know if it originally was in mind, but this is a spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen House of Cards. I'm about to spoil the final episode of season five, so go and skip like a minute. I'll keep it short. Mm -hmm. But uh, the final episode of season five, 
yeah. uh, has it where um, Kevin Spacey's character is basically, ah, I forget the word, but he's no longer president anymore. And she, as vice president, becomes president. That's how season five ended. Oh, yeah. Wow. So she usurped him at the ending of season five. Uh-huh. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. it just, it is, yeah, it, I don't know. But that's, that's what I'm saying. It worked out perfectly for yeah. season six because we no longer cared anymore. And <laughs> at that point, I really only wanted to see what happened with Robin Wright. I, I really loved her character. Uh-huh. So that ended up working out for me because I was able to totally focus on Robin Wright for that final season. Bad so, Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Yeah. Spoiler okay. <laughs> yes. But, Man. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. So do you think that the concept of cinema, so I guess uh, cinema fatigue is in essence the, the word that we're kind of t- talking about. Mm-hmm. But do you think that cinema fatigue is really, in my, in my head, I associate it a lot to uh, television uh, mm-hmm. fatigue where, um, so the 90s, every television series had like 21 to 24 episodes a season yeah. and any more than that it's because it, it would pass two seasons i mean um, you know seasonals like uh because it was autumn and, and going into winter and spring uh mm-hmm. pretty much like there would be the the fall season and then it would start the spring season they called it i mean yeah which i always hated because it, it started in september which i guess technically was fall but it ended well no because winter technically is the end of december so yeah, no that was fall yeah. But they never yeah. called it winter. They called it spring, even though sometimes it would start in, like, February, which was winter. Right. But I guess they technically wouldn't start back until March. Right, yeah, because, yeah, spring, um, yeah, true. Man, it's, see, it's been so long, I forget. Yeah, I don't even remember how it did it. Anyways, yeah. point is, they, they had 21 to 24 episodes, while the UK is doing, what, 10 episodes at the time, mm-hmm. eight to 10 episodes. Right. And then do you remember, was it streaming that kind of turned it around in America where we're no longer doing, excuse me, 21 to 24, we're doing like six to 12. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it almost seemed like, um, that, like that used to be like the HBO model. Like it was different from, uh, like how uh, network television was different from cable. Yeah, because... okay, yeah, it was HBO because yeah. that was the Sopranos, uh, the the one about the funeral, oh, uh, the mortuary, uh, uh, okay. six feet six under. Feet, yeah, 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 yeah. They had like 12, 13 episodes. Right. It was like half half a season almost, or mm-hmm. it felt like half a season at the time. Because I mean, Monk was having twenty two, twenty three episodes. House twenty two, twenty three. Yeah. ER. All of them are going on crazy long. And then all of a sudden you have HBO with 12, 13 episodes and mm. they're telling meteor stories. Yes. Which was insane. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think streaming kind of allowed it to pick up further words. They started doing 12 episodes. That became the norm. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because I, man, I can't really think of any other, uh, any other channel um, other than maybe uh, like FX I'm trying to think of any other ones that, that just kind of compacted their stories where they didn't span anything longer than 10 episodes, 10 to maybe 15. Um, you know, there's an exception, like it's always sunny. Cause that was one of the shows that, um, kicked off FX as a channel to watch because before that was just reruns of Fox shows like in living color and stuff like that uh baseball shows or big show baseball uh uh, airings on fx um then um then they started with uh, it's always sunny and the shield um and then once those became hits they're like oh we got something nip tuck all these different shows so were were those all around like 20 episodes yeah yeah like um they wasn't the season one of always sunny short though well but that's just because they were trying to See if people like it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They were. They were. It was a short comedy series. Like. The, yeah. The season one was short. But yeah. Because that for that exact reason. Because it, it it started at the same time as this show called Starved, which I miss. But I know they couldn't have gone any longer with that. Um. Because that was I think only that, that was only ten episodes. It was basically about uh, a a bunch of people that were in this. They were uh. uh See, I hate when I forget the names of certain things when I start rambling about other stuff. But like, they're basically people who are trying to get over uh, bulimia in different ways. Um, and it was like, a, it was a dark comedy. It actually had like a really good uh, um, idea uh, behind it. I actually have the series because I, I, 
when I uh, found I never uh, heard of that one different means of that sounds interesting yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll show it to you one okay. day maybe we'll talk about it it was the first time I've ever seen uh, Sterling K. Brown which uh, he yeah he went on to be on that This Is Us show and some other movies so good movies I can't even think of all of them now yeah but um, yeah that was the first time I've ever seen him and a uh, director uh, that did it it was the first time I heard about him he was one of those indie directors that came out at the time around like Kevin Smith and um, um, Richard Linklater and a lot like the um, he was a, one of the ones that had a successful movie um, called If Lucy Fell it was moderately su successful and it started to kick his career off but then it seemed like he had started having personal issues so much so that fx did a mini series based on his life and him trying to find a, a, a girlfriend because one of his issues was trying to find a date and get married yeah which i want to find that series because it was very intriguing and it was it should, like he just bared himself completely just a flawed human being but he wasn't like a bad person he just had you know he just you know, kind of like all of us that, you know, it was like we, we show the flawed side of us uh, more than um, others that try to, you know, mask it in public. And he was one of those ones that was willing to do it. And I'm remembering this show because of us talking about it right now, because I yeah. completely forgot about that show. And wow. Um, but yeah, he was one of those indie directors that never really made it. But his show was one of the ones that was the very first show because it came on right before It's Always Sunny. Um, was His show was the very first show that kicked off FX as what they are now, showing original content. But his just didn't get picked up for the second season. And It's Always Sunny was still not a hit, but they continued with it because there was something there. And then when Danny DeVito came in, that's when it just became the, oh, the show with Danny DeVito? It's like, no, yeah. <laughs> no, it's always sunny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's a whole nother, um, whole nother topic yeah. I'd like to talk but, about. But you're saying with um, Always Sunny and all of them, they were having, uh, FX is having 20 some episodes and HBO is doing like 12, 13. Yeah. Uh, but what, why do you think the change is with, with less episodes? Because they like all, all these um, channels are trying to be more like, trying to take from FX having quality shows, but at the same time um, cutting to uh, like the meat of things the way that AMC does. Cause AMC, I feel like kind of kicked it off. Like uh, when Walking Dead and these shows started to come out, it was right at the cusp of the streaming services. Like they, like the streaming services were, were, were starting, like Netflix as a streaming service was starting. They already did the DVD by mail stuff, but um, having shows this short was more palatable for people that are watching at home. And at the same time, um, it had a lot to do with, um, I guess, them noticing that people are watching episodes back to back, which uh, binge watching before that became a name. They were noticing that once an episode ended, people weren't like picking up the remote and moving on to other things. And it had a lot to do with the way they were ending a lot of these shows. A lot of these shows relied way more on cliffhangers, whereas on, um, if it was a show that was on network television, they if it was a weekly episodic show or um x files was kind of like the um creature of the week type of episodes um but there's still a background narrative to kind of complete by the end of the series it didn't leave us hanging every single week with a oh my god i can't wait because they knew there was a lot of start and stop on television there was a lot of the show would start then once you're really getting into it oh man a commercial break and then they come back and then there's the meat of the episode and it's like hell yeah and then commercial break and then by the end of it it's kind of like the feeling that oh this show's about to end but if that's a 30 minute um show with three commercial breaks so it's like ah oh, man now it's over so they knew we had we couldn't wait it feels a 30 minute show is punishing to have just really 20 minutes of tv wait for that once a week and then come back. That's why it wasn't like like TGIF. It was easy to get through. It was they didn't have. Oh my God, what's Urkel gonna do? Stay tuned for next week. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like like oh, they would save that for the hour long shows to keep you um keep you like wondering if it was like the show Dallas back in the day. Like who shot Jr. Find out next season. Yeah, <laughs> and like stuff like that made it to where like hell yeah, we were all congregating in front of the TV because that was the water cooler discussion. We all. We're thinking that same thing while we're at work talking to, or talking to friends or anything else. So by the time the show started again, we knew we were amongst other people watching something. You know, that's why uh, the final season of Sopranos 
was such a big hit. That's why Premiere Walking Dead was a big hit. That's why Lost was a was a big hit until it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it's like the the metrics kind of changed it, and then yeah. once um, the streaming services noticed that oh people are watching these things back to back, and it's because every single episode is leading with a oh my god cliffhanger. That's when they start to shorten it even more, just so they can kind of. Um, rely on the cliffhangers but it not be a crutch going over 20 okay. episodes that okay I, that makes a lot of sense then because i know okay so if we go back in time uh 1920s 1930s and they got the pulp serials that are um airing in front of some of the movies mm -hmm. uh, like you know uh superman um uh i think dick tracy was one uh, yeah. uh oh man i forget the names of the others right now um but anyways oh, they, they had the, like these 15 20 minute like essentially television on the big screen, mm -hmm. uh, every single one of them would end in a cliffhanger, and then you'd have to when you when you go next Saturday, you'd be able to pick up on on the ending of that. But there was right. only so many you could do because at some point, the audience wants a conclusion, mm -hmm. and so that's where they would kind of end it. So they would it would kind of almost run for a full year, and then there'd be a break, right. and and hence so the whole season model of television. I'm assuming it's getting created at that point. So then, yes. and, and then it, it's like the, because uh, then that connecting with um, the pulp serial books, like uh, uh, I think Charles uh, Charles Dickens did it with, uh, um, oh man, I forget which novel we did it with. He did it with a few. Uh, well, uh, um, uh, uh, Varney the Vampire was a big one. I think that ran for like two years where it was uh -huh. like little sections of, of the the chap or chapter one, each chapter was a small little section that'd be in the newspaper, and you could read what was going on. And the next Saturday it would continue with chapter two, and so there was like three hundred chapters. It's like a two thousand page book if you put it all together, uh -huh. but it was supposed to be read like little snippets every Saturday or Sunday whenever the newspaper dropped uh, oh, uh, nice. in, in your area back then. But each episode, I mean, each chapter ended on a cliffhanger, mm -hmm. and uh, and they would try and milk it as much as possible. So I know Varney the Vampire ran for almost two full years and some of these uh, chapters end so ridiculously. Mm -hmm. it's, and then some of them kind of repeat where they just kind of extend and all that. So it's almost like the whole concept of what would later become television is ingrained in these pulp serials in newspaper articles uh, coming out chapter by chapter, right, uh, right. which are requiring cliffhangers, so that way you guarantee you have readers next week and all of that. But then at some point, they've learned the hard way that you have to you have to end it. You can't go on forever, mm -hmm. which you know right. again fatigue kicks in at some point. Yeah. And so you yeah. so I, I feel like television and movie franchises are trying to find the balance between how far can we milk it before they turn on us basically uh, and i feel like that's the that's the big balance they all face is uh at some point uh at some point i mean i mean one of the questions i i had was does fatigue exist i didn't bother even asking it because it's like well yeah no clearly it does oh yeah at some point, yeah, it does. At some point it's like I, yeah can we end the story like there's no way that this is going to go on forever mm -hmm. you know? right no that that yeah. is true yeah yeah it's crazy because it's in our subconscious it's not something that's like we're thinking about all the time when we're watching these movies is something that we don't really feel until after the movie's done. Yeah. And because, I mean, we're, if we're going to the theaters, we're giving them our money. That's the movies we pick and choose. Like, I completely forget what else was in the theater at that time because it was basically just a laser-guided focus to seeing the flash. And surprisingly enough, it was still in the theaters because if it was a lesser film, they would have gotten rid of it, even if it was a hit. <laughs> like, even if yeah. it was, got, like, they're, oh, on to the streaming services. Yeah. And it kind of goes into the whole, uh, the whole feeling of them just making more content because on its own, it's able to stand on its own two legs in a theater. There's six to eight movies that are competing with each other, and there's an audience for each one but it's about really promoting it. Whereas once it hits the streaming services, you got a good week or two where when you turn on your fire stick, you'll see it on the front page and then it's just blending in with everything else. Yeah, and then it's just up to you to remember. Yeah. Or every now and again, if it randomly pops up, like two years later, it's like, oh yeah, I wanted to watch that movie. I know. Yeah, so it's all yeah. it's all depending on, on the promoting of, mm. of, of getting that scene just because there's so much out there. It's, uh, it's frustrating. Cause I want to see it all, but there's only so much time to 
uh, watch everything. You know, yeah. you gotta, you know, if it's streaming services that you're actually, you know, paying for and not sharing with someone yeah, else, yeah, yeah. then, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like you're paying for it for yeah. a reason because you're working, you got a job, so you're exactly. able to get all, yeah. To any streaming services listening, no one shares anything uh, with anyone no. on this podcast. No. We, yeah. Yeah, yeah, not that, at That doesn't happen. Yeah, we're, we're you know, we, we understand. Mm-hmm. So we don't yes. do that. <laughs> big Lou, big Lou agrees. Yeah, it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> if we have to have someone on a lie detector, we'll put Big Lou. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll represent us. Yeah, uh, he, he's another. Uh, he's another member of the Somewhat Strangers crew. You'll hear him in some later episodes. Right. Yeah. We're name dropping. It's the future. So then, just come back later. So if you hear the episode with Big Lou before you hear this one. Then, then you know who it is. Yeah. And you can go ahead and not listen to this part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should have already passed through. <laughs> exactly. That's on you. But uh, uh, so, okay, see, what I find interesting about people complaining about superhero fatigue mm-hmm. is this kind of, for me, I see it cycling in film history mm-hmm. because the, the Western came out, right? And then um, it was really huge uh, in the 40s going into the 50s. You know, obviously you got the big names from John Ford, which, you know, it's, uh, it's all the way to Sergio Leone and the Spaghetti Western right. movies and all that, and the Corbucci films uh, uh, and all that um, going into, as it bleeds into the 60s and all that. The interest in Western as cinema has lasted a long time. I don't think it's gone away. Mm-hmm. So, but I, but if you go back, there's articles um, in this in the '60s talking about Western fatigue. Like like, there's, are we done with the westerns? Is there anything more that can be said? Like, can we just move on as a genre? And again, it's treating it as if like that's the only thing that's out there, mm-hmm. which I do find interesting. That when a genre becomes popular, and it it feels as if at some point um, everyone is kind of getting tired of it. But I think other people who didn't know about the genre are now interested in the genre. It was it's now being told in a way that they can connect with it. Yeah. And so now there's a there's a bigger audience for it, but not every single story in that genre clearly they connected with because the genre existed before these let's let's call it like audience B before audience B knew about it that was marketed toward audience A who was always there for it and who loves it and who will watch it until the end of time you know right. uh, there's a bunch of for lack of a better phrase there's a bunch of western heads out there who just love western movie cinema and western movies and want to consume everything western and probably pissed pissed off that there hasn't been a lot of major western movies made in probably the past 20 years yeah. you know what i mean yeah. uh, i think unforgiven's kind of like maybe the last major one there's definitely been western movies made but not like on such popular epic a scale mm-hmm. and all that. Not until uh, Antoine Fuqua comes back with the uh, Magnificent Seven with the uh, uh, right with Denzel uh, yeah. and, uh, uh, and um, yeah and all on all of them. Hulk. Yeah, yeah, that is true. It's almost like when it does come back, it's kind of it's a Western type. It's like the Magnificent Seven type. It's a bunch of people coming together for one cause run these baddies out of town type of causes whereas back then yeah there was more of diversity in the western like you you have like your more laid-back westerns and more action oriented the like you have your i guess john wayne was his own uh yeah no yeah and then you have your just kind of dramatically yeah there's all kinds of different stories being told in uh uh, uh, the western genre and there's mm-hmm. all kinds of things that are being done differently in it and, and it you're right it is it is very diverse as most all other all genres are mm-hmm. i just think that at some point in time a movie gets made that attracts audience b and the producers rightfully are like whoa we can make more of this type way i didn't know we could do that yeah. um, which honestly i everyone says that producers think people are dumb i just think most producers tend to be dumb they don't really un- Excuse me, uh, sorry, I'm burping a lot. They don't really understand that a lot of uh, uh, movies can do anything. Any genre can do anything. Yeah. Have anything and everything, and it's going to be interesting. Uh-huh. I just got to be creative enough. But um, uh, but anyways, that's that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so much like what's happening now, you have audience B who's like, like, oh, wow, I'm really enjoying these type of stories, you know? And I think the whole first 10 years of the MCU really attracted audience B, C, D, E, whatever. All these other groups of people who were kind of like into this movie, but uh, or this franchise. But even before Endgame hits, there was already talk of MCU fatigue. 
But Endgame hits, it takes, you know, the world by storm. It's a, a, this epic conclusion. Um, uh, people who kind of didn't like uh, the MCU in general, they at least still love Endgame because it kind of gives a wrapping um, climax. You know, people start comparing the MCU franchise to television series where, yeah, 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 they're essentially working like episodes toward a climactic uh, uh, series finale uh, mm-hmm. and all of that. But, I mean, mm-hmm. for me, I don't, I don't think that the MCU franchise is essentially television. That's just storytelling. Yeah, it's just an yeah. epic parts, you know, it's an epic story told in parts where those parts are singular movies. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, the television does that because that's, I mean, it's every week. It's going all the way back to um, pulp serial novels where it's a chapter a week. It's right. like, yeah, that's, that's essentially what television is. And if you're going to do that in cinema, it's going to take longer because it takes longer for those movies to pop out and they're popping out every two or three years mm-hmm. and uh um, but yeah each movie is operating like a chapter but yeah, yeah you yeah. know that's i don't know to me i don't really see that as a complete argument to kind of dismiss the whole thing because it's just it's just the essence of storytelling yeah you know but yeah really anyway anyways my, my point is simply um i think that at some point because of the genres the way that they are whatever genre it is it is always there's a distinct thing that someone has to love about that genre to continuously come back every single time. Mm-hmm. So like for, again, Western heads, uh, there is an aspect of the West that they are coming back to because they love the whole concept of the Western genre or the West in general, maybe as an abstract thing. So they'll mm-hmm. milk everything. It's like a, a Harry Potter fan who just loves the world of Harry Potter that anything Harry Potter I'll milk up. You know yeah. what I mean? And so um, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll take that. And so just, they just want to be part of that world. And so it doesn't really matter. The story doesn't matter. The, you know, the budget or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Or, or even the medium. It doesn't matter how the art is being uh, uh, expressed. It's just, it, oh, it's a part of that. I, I want it. And I'll take it. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, the best example is um, Lovecraftian fanatics who just love the world of Lovecraft. That they will read works by people not H.P. Lovecraft and stories that are not so much um, about, you know, what you typically expect just because it entails that world, that universe, mm-hmm. themes, all that stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Continues on that tradition because that's that can be one of the examples of why his stories of transition to modern day for people to be able to read it was because... He was the only one making these type of stories. Anyone that came afterwards were making it because, oh, you can do this and it can be successful or they were inspired by him. Yeah. So And, and of course, he's leaving his work public domain. Well, essentially, where you, yeah. you know, he's like, you can play around with it, use these characters and everyone's picking up on it. And so, again, it's almost like episodic storytelling. It's like, OK, we're going to pick up that mantle and now I'm going to continue telling this unending story. Mm-hmm. So in a way, yes. the stories don't have to end so really it's like varney the vampire all over again where it's like milking it except where varney the vampire just doesn't have enough to make it last beyond two years because it's just one particular character and there's only so much story you can tell in that particular person's life if you have genre just genre as your focal point of the narrative of like with lovecraft it's the concept of madness and the outer gods and there's just you can tell stories anywhere in the multiverse and it's so open so therefore it's totally unending that every new story is a new episode or a new chapter whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. and it's continuing forever that of course someone who is just not wanting to consume stories about madness or outer gods or or the other or whatever Mm -hmm. is going to get tired of it yeah because that's not their special interest in a way yeah you know what i mean yeah so there is going to be fatigue but there is enough of an audience there that the story can continue unending. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that means that there is something wrong with the genre as a whole. Like, it's okay, going back to superheroes, I don't think there's anything wrong with the superhero genre. Uh, you know, fatigue exists, but that's the, the superhero fatigue is existing simply because audience members B downward are just not that interest, is interested as audience members A. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's making, am I making sense? Yeah. Trying to express this idea here. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. So, so for me, the whole concept of like cinema fatigue is just simply that at some point the genre picked up 
new audience members mm -hmm. and they got the stories they wanted to tell and then they were done. But the genre keeps continuing and if it became popular, it has a lot of money now and I don't think it's, for me, I don't think it's like totally fair for the audience members be downward to be like, oh, why the hell is this genre keep going? Mm. It's done now. It's now they're just milking it. I'm like, no, they're not really milking it. Right. It's just there's a lot of people who love the telling the stories and love hearing the stories that it'll go on forever. It's like fairy tales. You you wouldn't say that those are essentially being milked because we're retelling them a thousand years later. It's just that we really love these stories and we want to tell them again. And so yeah. genres just work as a particular facet of storytelling that some people really just want to hear again, mm -hmm. you know? True. No, it is true. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's the stories that can be applied to any point in your life. Like anytime, yeah, any of the, these like fairy tales or like Disney stories have been remade over and over and over and over again is probably the one time where it makes sense to remake something as opposed to, you know, superhero films where you got a lot of um, content to rework or just stick to the comic books you can do either one yeah um but with fairy tales or um any like disney fables or anything they were written in a way that was universal at the time and it could be applied to any point in your life because even if the characters were of another world or nonsensical or whatever the stories that they were telling was something we could all relate to um like even to be able to tell the Lion King like all these many years ago or even Little Mermaid, which was a green mermaid, a Hans Christian Andersen mermaid that can be applied to anything really. And it's just when they don't really say that, it kind of makes it, it just convolutes the whole story when they bring it out. But that's a whole whole other topic to talk about. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, but no, but you, I mean, you, cause, but you are bringing up a kind of point there, like all these arguments about like the the remakes, the reboots, or oh, you're 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 changing the ethnicity or whatever. I'm like, yeah, you're kind of missing the point of what it means to be human. We kind of tell these stories to each other again and yeah. again because it means something, and it's for. Uh, a new newer generation it's being told their particular way and all that i i think the whole concept of this movie is sacred and shouldn't be touched or retold again is kind of silly because it's kind of like saying like oh the the german version of uh the, the or the little mermaid or was it german i forget ah yeah i, I forget what whatever yeah. no, just let's just say the the german version of you know um x fairy tale is uh, uh the best fairy tale and should never be remade and it should only be listened to in german mm -hmm. it's it's like the, the equivalent of saying that it's like yeah. well no because even because you know translations are a remake right they're, yes. they're, a, they're a reboot in a way you yep. know because they're because they're, exactly. you have to the whole getting it to a different language you have to automatically literally revise the story because there's aspects of the culture of the original language that are not going to translate well and so there's either a lot of explaining you have to do or you have to just literally transpose whatever cultural specific niche thing into the other cultural specific niche thing so that way they at least get the idea you know what i mean right um like uh you know like, uh, like uh, for example there was a story where someone really loved tea in america you'd probably transpose it to a coffee just but it's the same concept kind of but there is some stuff that's missing yeah. so ar arguably it's not the same story uh and and all of that you know exactly but in, in in short just you know translation essentially is kind of um it's a, a a remake a reboot depending on the style of the translation and the purpose of the translation and all that and i don't know for me it's just something i've seen that we've done we've done it for thousands of years we've done it since we started you know using sounds as means of understanding meaning behind yeah you know the skull basically yeah exactly yeah, yeah. All, all, yeah, yeah. all of the weird thoughts in the gray matter mm -hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> we use sounds to to get it across and now we're using all yeah. these other expressions yes but, well yeah one example i'm pretty sure there's a british film that's been remade into an american film i can't think of it right now but i'm pretty sure there's plenty of them but if there was somebody that lived in an apartment they wouldn't call it a flat in America. So there's, yeah, like you say, language is changed. There's nuance that's changed certain things that we do that would be in those many lists of top 10 things that looks or seems weird to Britons when they move to America, things like that. Yeah. Like it's 
things that we do that are different, things that other cultures have done prior to us. So if a movie was remade from like eons ago to now, there's yeah certain things that are going to be modernized. Yeah. Um, and that have to be, or 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 you can even like retell the story in a particular way because all of a sudden, like something's happening in modern times that. It's like, oh, that old classic story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be great to revitalize and use in this way. But instead of that person doing this job, what if they're doing this job? Because now the meaning of the story adds to all this depth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, to me, that's where the, the reboots kind of uh, uh, make sense. It's, but that's where I do see the argument, though, when you blend the very human desire to retell a story with capitalism. Then, yeah. Now, right. I, I, so I'm not trying to say, like, oh, oh, all remakes, you know, are essentially sacred just simply because it's following the human spirit of retelling. Yeah. I mean, some of them are literal shit just because uh, the cash grab turned it into a soulless, you know, film. Basically. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for real. Man, man. Okay, what what was that movie that recently came out as of this, the time of this recording of this podcast? A recent movie that came out where it was either remake or remade or a sequel of, and there were so many references to um like modern day capitalism and now uh, the government's keeping us down blah, blah 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 all these things that they added to the story that wasn't in the original story that people um see i'm i'm glad i forget this movie because i know i'm not gonna watch it anyway but that was one of the arguments for why the movie was so bad and there was even some examples of it what man what the hell was it um it's a bunch of like teens or young people talking about stuff like oh it's like this is above your pay grade you weren't around long enough to even know why this is even an issue type of thing like these kids would not be talking about this unless they were all just reading wikipedia and they were taking assumptions of what yeah, was going yeah. on because it was the type of stuff that if you lived in the 80s or 90s we understand because it took those it took growing pains to get to where we are now yeah not growing pains the tv show yeah but growing pains of life you yeah because every decade there was a lot of start and stop the 70s was always that through line of where we're trying to come together through comedy and sharing you know like our, yeah. all of our uh, things that we're all into comedy music all these things that we all love but then there are outside forces that do put you know little influences yeah. in the young minds yeah. and it over the course of time, those young minds become politicians or <laughs> fucking people that run stuff that shouldn't be running things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because there's whether people know it or not, there's more good than bad. It's just we only hear from the bad, and that's um, I'm all over the place right now. So no, no, no. no. I think, I think uh, no, I think uh, <laughs> uh, no, I think I think because you're onto something there. Because you're essentially, I think kind of what you're pointing at is like the purpose of critique, where it's mm-hmm. like. Okay, so we understand it's important to retell our stories. So, um, you know, I mean, you obviously you could you have your opinion of like, oh, I, I, I don't watch any retellings. I don't listen to any retellings. I only read from the original language. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, that, that's all in existence. But that's where uh, I think once that starts happening, the retellings and all of that, or even to the original stories themselves, um, that's where the job of critique comes in, where it's like, okay, uh, what is it tr- it's trying to say? What is it adding to the narrative of this particular, you know, uh, topic of discussion or whatever, yeah. uh, um, and all of that? And so, like, like what you're adding is like, okay, does it really bring anything to the table that's kind of worth discussing? And if so, how so? And all of that stuff. So, like, mm-hmm. whatever movie it is that you're talking about, um, I mean, I think that's an interesting uh, critique of having it be the young people talking about these things that they potentially don't know anything about in the construct of the narrative, what does that say? Is it efficient? Is it, is it working well? And I don't know. I, I think all of those are, you know, at that point, it, it, to me, those are the most interesting conversations Yeah. over versus yeah. something's like um, good or bad, because it's like, yeah, everything's kind of good or bad individually, subjectively, depending on someone's taste. But what's more interesting to me is, okay, well, what does it have to say? What does it have to add? What does it have to take away? What new perspective does it bring? Mm -hmm. And something even that most people would consider a bad film, a bad song, uh, a bad artwork, still can add a twist to the conversation. And therefore, it just because a 
bunch of people consider it bad doesn't mean it should be dismissed from the conversation as a whole because it is bringing something to the table that nothing else that's considered good is bringing yeah which to me that that tends to be a lot of like I, i get told a lot that i like a lot of really bad films but i'm like i'm just seeing that this film is bringing this even if it's a small element it's still bringing something to the table Mm-hmm. And I always feel like that's why, like, I could talk to you about a lot of this stuff because I feel like you do the exact same thing. Yeah. You know, uh, you you see that, yeah, you, we can agree. Like with Flash, we can all agree mm-hmm. that the CGI is terrible. And yeah. sure, director Andy Muschiati, or is that how you say his name? Andy, yeah. I, I, okay, I apologize if I mm-hmm. fucked up his name. Yeah, but yeah. sure, the director, because I don't know if you've heard him, he said that the CGI is that way because it's from the distorted perspective of, of Barry Allen when he's in the chromosphere mm. and i'm like okay yeah all right yeah, yeah, yeah. still shitty cgi yeah. <laughs> like we can still say that yes uh, uh you know i'm understanding sure okay i don't know if i really don't know if like he came up and it's like okay we you know we have a lot of money mm-hmm. but we're gonna make the cgi really bad though because we're gonna do it from his perspective right i right, think right. i feel like that's an after the fact thing but if let's say it's, it's not let's say he came in and it's like no we're gonna purposely make the cgi really bad because it's from that perspective fine whatever but still that cgi was bad yeah it was was, even if even if that's true then that's still holding within it the concept that the cgi is bad Mm -hmm. right you know but but that doesn't you know that that doesn't have to make the whole movie bad Mm -hmm. the the flash still brought in some interesting uh, uh concepts to the whole genre as a whole right you know yeah, it did, man. Like, I mean, I mean, because we could think about how bad a lot of green screen films were back in the day, but we still, the substance was yeah. still there. Like, the the film, Altered States has one of the worst blue screen, just to, like, Tron, you know. Yeah. But at the time, we weren't thinking that, and that still holds up to us. These stories yeah. still hold up to us. So at the end of the day, that's what should matter when it's more of an argument of us just being spoiled too much. It's kind of like if somebody bought a 4K TV expecting the best. Yeah, and then they showed an analog VHS tape, and they're like, no, this is bad, this is shitty. Uh And I was like, well, okay, but you got to... You got to think of it in context. Think of it in its time. And also think of the feeling that you're getting from it, what it's making you say, et cetera, et cetera. And even if it wasn't right. purposeful, those things are still there. Yes. It's, uh, uh, yeah. in, in literary analysis, you call it, um, uh, uh, it's the, 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 what's it called? The textual, um, ah, damn it. Okay, cut this. Cut yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. the forgetting where you yeah. came from bias or forgetting what got... I, it's something, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's where you're going. But, but anyways, yeah. um, uh, I don't know. It's it's yeah. interesting. The the Like, for example, again, The Flash is kind of the swan song of the DCEU. And so that's an interesting film where if you put it in the same conversation as, like, Endgame for the MCU and it's first you know three phases which was that experiment of telling of using tele using movies that the way television tells stories mm-hmm. right as, a, as an experiment so if you put the flash up with endgame and then you put it up with unforgiven as a swan song of a type of hollywood western right but it's also critiquing that western and you put it up against all of that i think there's an interesting conversation that all of those movies kind of say about how to end a face or what it means to end a face or what it means to talk about, you know, in a, a meta type commentary way to talk about everything that came before it to be a swan song in a way. And yeah. so, uh, so, so to me, that doesn't, you know, flash being bad or good people being fatigued of superhero movies. It's, it's more, you know, what, what, what does it add to the conversation? Mm-hmm. this whole thing right yeah. which yeah. is so it's true so as a as a uh as this episode being an introduction to all of our future other episodes mm-hmm. that kind of gives an, you an idea uh as, as a listener of kind of what jason and i kind of want to talk about we more want to focus on what do these things have to bring into the conversation what can we use to bounce off of it and say about the human condition or about art you know our art forms in general and 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 all that good stuff mm-hmm. so yeah definitely yeah definitely it's yeah crazy to think like it's just i mean we're just living through those times where 
we actually are aware of what's going on when it comes to the films we put out. Because, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. And I'll try to wrap it up because we're, I know we're going way over time. Um, which is awesome. It yeah. Shows no, it's more good. To talk about. Yeah, ex exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to, we're, we're going to, uh, so that we all know, we're going to try and keep these in the, in the length of time of a, of a, a nineties, uh, popular television show. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> 45 minutes to, to an hour mm -hmm. with, with ads. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can skip the ads and you basically get a yeah, 45 minute show. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, we'll, yes. well, I mean, I, or maybe there'll be an hour. I don't know. I guess mm -hmm. we'll find out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. True. Oh yeah. You already yeah. know, but it is. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a it's a full argument to be made on top of the arguments to be made because I mean if you think about when all the directors started to mention the fatigue because they were you know discounting superhero films Martin Scorsese having his stuff to say and everybody else and then Tarantino having his stuff to say I mean it's it's a thing where on one end they can say you know they can't really talk much about superhero films because where superhero films we even derive from if you take like x-men for example they were a metaphor in and of itself there could be an argument to be made that some of the metaphors could get lost in the plot because of film and just worrying about action but it's there um especially for anybody that's a fan of uh, the the comic books it's all over. I mean, it, like even with like Captain America, like there's certain things that have certain metaphors that have um, held over into the films that just, I mean, either they weren't written for whatever reason or they just didn't want to be as on the nose with their subjects, which is uh, which you can go back into why um, a lot of films nowadays, if they're remade and they're remade for like a younger audience, um, it's definitely not on the fault of the younger people because that's what it is, is just Hollywood discounting them for being people that can actually understand metaphors. Because um, on one end, and I'm going all over the place, damn it. Uh, on one end, um, you could say that like younger people are prone to be smarter than us a lot faster because they're given a lot of devices we weren't given. Um, I wasn't given a home computer until I was like 17, 18 years old. And they, they're born into computers, you know, like, but home computers at that time uh, in the mid nineties were just becoming a thing to where they're in the house and affordable to everyone. So as far as having the um, uh, stuff on the home computer at that time, they're given more access to stuff. Like they're born into YouTube, born into uh, uh, born into Wikipedia. Like that stuff, we had to wait for the process over time. Um, so on one end, you could say that, yeah, they can't understand metaphor. And then on the other end, there are movies that came out around that time that some people kind of lose the plot like american psycho or fight club they forget the metaphors behind those films and they become these like oh i'm i can relate to tyler durden so much i can relate to uh patrick bateman but american psycho the film was written as like a feminist film so you probably can't relate to them unless you really read between the lines yeah. so there's arguments to be made on both ends it just depends on who the audience is yeah um so, you know, and then going back to like the directors, Martin Scorsese and Tarantino, you know, they can have their arguments, but they started genres on their own that became these things that became oversaturated. Like they became these Tarantino types, all these people trying to make the next Tarantino type yeah. of movie. Or, like, the, or the gangster movies. Yes. Scorsese. I mean, I think we have, we have a friend, uh, Zach, who he's, you know, not totally into mm -hmm. uh, the gangster cinema, which, you know, which, which is fine. And yeah, if there was, you know, there's a few though that he's going to enjoy and, Sure, the genre is going to move on after him, and and that's it. But that's yeah. that's what I'm saying. You know, audience B, C for that genre, they're not audience A. Mm -hmm. So you know, there's yeah, right, yeah, exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 They they come in after the fact. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, but that's where I feel like like Scorsese and Tarantino are kind of forgetting that. Where it's just uh, it's like yeah, not not all these movies are going to be for you because it's it's just it's a genre on its own. You have mm -hmm. your own genres that you like that, and no one wants their genre to end and the genre is not going to end it's simply literally because it's like an Ouroboros just no one wants it to end mm -hmm. so it's going to continue the genres that no one cared about they ended they yeah. don't know what they are because they never existed <laughs> yeah. they, they, never, they never existed past 500 years ago I'm sure mm -hmm. like we go back a thousand years there's some weird genres that existed that at some point people were just like yeah, I don't really care anymore right like, no one cared and then it never you know I don't know who got lost in time or something yes for yeah. real that is so true. There's so many things like which 
Speaking of which, I guess it's kind of on subject, but apparently Disney lost a bunch of their films or their classic animations. I need to read more into it because I'm just throwing it out there, but that's kind of an example of like there's there are films that are lost in time that there could be that one film that yeah, yeah that started its own genre where we're at a time where we can't even fathom another genre. It's kind of like trying to think of another genre of music. Like there would have to be a new instrument created and then some new sound that some weird sound that's if music exists on Earth too, that they're using that sound because guitars don't exist on yeah. Earth too. Like synthesizers don't exist. This is a perfect stopping point because um I, I already know what I wanna do, what uh I wanna talk about for the next episode. Uh-huh. And um and we can literally segue into it uh now. So if you want to give uh, uh, some conclusions, if, if, but hold that thought. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. Cliffhanger. Oh, okay. shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we, this was uh, Maya and Jason. Yes. And uh, we talked about uh, cinema fatigue uh, on, on our first episode of Audio Podcast. Uh-huh. So we are definitely going to see you soon. For us, that's going to be like in a minute. But yeah. uh, for you, it'll be whenever you click the, the play button mm-hmm. on the, the next topic. Yes, sir. Right. So... Signing out. And here is our outro.